Welcome to Strength and Dignity. In this show, host Michaela Estruth responds to the modern feminist agenda from a biblical perspective. Based on Proverbs 31, strength and dignity encourages the beauty of God's perfect design and the differences and unique qualities between men and women. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Strength and Dignity. This is Michaela Estruth, and you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So it's been a little while since you've heard from me, or at least heard new content from me. With the weekend before and after spring break being filled with travel, I haven't been in in a while to offer new content. And today I was scrolling on Ms. Magazine trying to find an article to respond to, And honestly, nothing was really sticking out to me, and I was thinking about what I wanted to say on the show, and I I realized that I just hadn't, I hadn't been truly fully in the word in a while on this show instead of just focusing on articles. I wanted to do a little bit of a recentering on what, how this show came to mind and why the Lord put it on my heart. So I decided to return to Proverbs 31, and I was just kind of reading through it for my own personal growth and understanding as I was trying to think about what to say on this show. And I realized, I think I should just talk about Proverbs 31 because it's a beautiful passage and it's full of truth. And I want to remind my listeners of the reasons that I do this show. And um, I don't always want to sound as if I'm attacking or if I'm constantly taking something and yes, I'm responding to it, but I want to I want to center myself in the word and center my listeners in the word because that's where truth and discernment comes from. So, I'm just going to kind of go through Proverbs 31 today on the show and verse by verse talk about a lot of the applications to today and maybe things that you've heard me say a lot on the show about how our culture completely opposes these truths and yet why they are true and why they are timeless and beautiful. So let's dive in. In Proverbs 31, it starts off saying, An excellent wife who can find. She is precious beyond jewels, and the heart of her husband trusts in her. So I I love the way that this starts. The, the praise of a woman in Proverbs 31 starts by equating her to beyond the value of jewels, and saying that her husband trusts in her. I think these are two main attacks of the feminist movement, or at least the modern feminist movement in our culture, saying that any biblical stance of femininity or biblically held worldview especially is degrading to women, that it lowers her value, and that the Bible is full of men who are against women and who are cruel to them because biblical stories occurred in ancient times. So therefore, every single man was cruel and hated every single woman. And this Proverbs 31 in this verse, it just completely debunks that claim, saying that uh, an excellent wife is beyond the value of jewels and that the heart of her husband trusts her. That shows an equality between men and women up front, that we've talked about the equality of being made in the image of God. Well, having a husband who trusts in you means that he sees you as an equal, as beautiful, as valuable, not as beneath him. Because if you were beneath him or 
you know, simply there for his pleasure or to do his tasks, then he wouldn't trust in you. He wouldn't care about your your ideas or your thoughts or your opinion. And yet that is exactly what how this passage starts off setting that off right basically saying men and women are equal in the eyes of god and they are both valuable and a a good husband trusts in his wife because he has a good wife the other aspect of a husband's heart trusting in his wife is that means that she does him good that she doesn't harm him or tear him down that she encourages him and challenges him and makes him grow in whatever he's doing And that is also completely opposite of what our culture today says. Basically, cultural modern feminism, in a way, completely tears down the role of men and leads to men being timid or afraid to lead, um, throws them out, beats them down in the name of equity, saying that we deserve a place, we deserve the spotlight, we've gone through thousands of years of persecution and now it's our turn to rule the world, in a sense. Well, that is not what Proverbs 31 says that a good wife or a good woman does to her husband. She, in fact, builds him up, not tears him down. In verse 15, it says that a good wife rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. And this is an example of true humility and service, a demonstration of ultimate love rising in the early hours of the morning, or here it even says in the late hours of the night in order to provide for her family. And again, this would be attacked by feminists as degrading, saying, oh, well, women, women's place are in the kitchen or like that's where they belong. They only provide the food. And so they would take this verse and say, see, the Bible is so misogynistic, saying that her only purpose is in caring for her family. But that's the complete opposite of what this verse is saying. It's praising a woman for her humility and for her selfless heart of service in her desire to love her family and provide for them. And the act of service is one of the five love languages. I love talking about the five love languages. My mom taught them to me as a kid based off of my my on my hands, like counting them off by my fingers. But she had little signs for each of them. Um. And so quality time was a thumbs up. Kind words, we wave our finger around our mouth in a circle kind of saying our talking. So kind words is with our pointer finger going around. Um, Physical touch is when our middle finger kind of touches our thumb and we do a little like, I I, I guess, tickle back and forth between our thumb and our middle finger. Um, Acts of service, I love the way that she had us remember this. She said, it's your wedding finger, which as a kid, I didn't really understand what that meant, but she's talking about your fourth finger that you wear a ring on. She says, that's acts of service. And then gifts was our pinky. She said, they don't always have to be big. Some of the best gifts are small, um, like the size of your pinky. So that was just like a fun connection that I have with the five love languages. But the point of all of that is the acts of service she tied to her marriage finger. And my mom does love extraordinary well in all of those, but especially in the acts of service. And that's how she receives love as well. And I think it's one of the most beautiful ways to give love. And unfortunately, I think it's one of the rarest or most or most underappreciated today because an act of service 
is sometimes it's always done out of place of humility and it's often unnoticed. And so even if it is unnoticed, it still is an act of love and an act of service. But in our culture today, it almost is like it doesn't count. And we are just so, so prideful today that an act of service is is honestly kind of rare, except in Christian circles, I feel like. Um, there's always someone trying to gain something, or at least think that someone's trying to gain. We have this weird idea of reward. So, like, if someone does something for you, you feel like you have to do something back for them simply, almost in, like, so I'm not indebted to them, or I'm not, I don't have to repay them, um, because I don't want us to be on unequal ground, basically. But the entire purpose of acts of service is to love out of a place of humility and selflessness and place someone's needs above your own. And so we can both give those well in a place of humility and also receive them well, saying thank you, being grateful and knowing you saw my pain or you saw that I needed something and you just did it for me. And I truly appreciate that, not thinking you have to repay them. And that was a really long tangent on the five love languages, simply to say that Proverbs 31, before even the five love love languages were named or, you know, the test was formed, knew that the act of service is a true, beautiful quality, and a good wife is one who acts out of service. Continuing on in verse 17, it says that she dresses herself with strength and her arms are strong. So this woman is a hard worker. Just as she loves selflessly, she also works hard and she doesn't boast in it, but she's strong. And in verse 20, I love this. She says she opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Her household is clothed in scarlet and this clothing is signifies honor and dignity, and it says so that they won't be cold, to keep them warm at night. So again, she's prioritizing her household, but she's also prioritizing the needy and extending her hands to the poor. So her selflessness goes beyond just care for her own family, but to others who might need her help. And she seeks to love well, and not just in her family, but in her community. In verse 25, this is where our title comes from. It says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. So obviously the show, Strength and Dignity, that's, this is the verse that I get the title from. But I want to talk about the second half, which really stuck out to me today. It says, she laughs at the time to come. Well, I don't know about all of you, but honestly, that's quite hard for me sometimes to laugh at the time to come. I have always known this about myself, but I'm learning more and more each and every day that I simply want to be in control and I want to know how the day is going to go and I want the day to go according to my schedule. Actually, I want the week to go according to the way my brain thinks it should. I want the month and frankly the whole semester and honestly my whole life to go the way that I think my heart wants and what I think will bring me the most joy, the most happiness would be the best life. And that is a very, to saying to myself, that is a very prideful idea, um, a very prideful stance of saying, this is how I want my life to go, instead of giving it to the Lord and saying, your will be done, not mine, Father. And so when it says she laughs at the time to come, it basically means that she, her time is not consumed with worry. Because the sad fact of 
trying to control your life is that you're ultimately just going to be anxious and worried because things aren't going to go the way you expect. And therefore, you're worried about the next thing that's going to be unexpected or something that's going to go against what you want. And so anxiety is just full in your heart if you're not trusting and laughing at the time to come. And so Christ says in Matthew 6, verse 31 and then 33 to 34, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So the only way to laugh at the time to come, as Proverbs 31 is saying, is to believe Christ's words and to obey them, saying, I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will provide all the rest. And that's all you can do each and every day. And it's a continual daily reminder of this day is yours, Lord, not mine. And I give it to you. And I'm working for your kingdom and for your glory and for your righteousness. And I just love the way that the Lord strung that through his entire word and through each of our lives. But specifically with Proverbs 31 being in the Old Testament and Matthew 6, the words of Christ, being in the New Testament. And yet, They're playing off of each other. The reason that the woman can laugh at the time to come is because she was seeking the kingdom of God first. And that is exactly what Christ calls us to do. You're listening to Strength and Dignity. This is Michaela S. Truth. Thanks for tuning in. So for those of you who haven't been on for the entire show, I'm going through Proverbs 31 today, just verse by verse, really, and kind of comparing it to the way our culture might interpret each verse versus the true beautiful meaning of it. And more importantly, why I've decided to title this show Strength and Dignity. And this this chapter is so incredibly important to the foundation of this show. So I decided to return to it today. So we just started talking about the title strength and dignity a few minutes ago and now we're on verse 26 and it says she opened her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue i love this verse because i think it's so true for a lot of women that they can they have the capacity to simply overflow with kindness and to offer beautiful advice and good wisdom and it it really stresses and emphasizes the importance of the tongue The tongue can either tear or it can lift up. And especially women, I feel like it, I could, this is a generalization, but it's more likely that a woman will be hurt by words sooner than a man will, or at least use words in a way to hurt. Like when, when a guy and a guy disagree, it's some, it's verbal, it starts verbal, but it typically probably ends in fists of some sort, right? Like, they, that's just how they express their anger. And, like, you know, sometimes guys just wrestle for the, for the fun of it. You know, they're not actually mad at each other. Um, but, like, that is not at all the way that women are programmed. And the hardest thing is that women can say some nasty, cruel things to each other. And, and words stick. Words are can never be unheard. And so... They, they can really hurt, and yet this verse is praising the good and beautiful wife because she opens her mouth and uses her words to be encouraging to others, and she, she is filled with wisdom, and she is kind. It says, the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. 
that's such an eloquent eloquent way of saying oh you're kind like I feel like we've lost the idea of the meaning of the word kind it's like oh yeah she's kind but the teaching of kindness is on her tongue is quite a beautiful way to say that And then in verse 27, it says that she looks out for her household and she is not idle. Again, that what we were talking about earlier, that she is purely selfless. And on the flip side, our culture has completely promoted this idea of idleness or at least selfishness. And they wouldn't call it selfishness, but it's putting you first. It's saying that you're more important than others. And one of the articles that I actually saw in Ms. Magazine today was about self-care. So the article was saying that in order to care for a community, it starts with self-care. And it was particularly, it wasn't clear about this, but I don't think it was talking about the self-care we think about of like, oh, go take a bath or like buy yourself something. But that is categorized as self-care. It's kind of a wide range. And so there is truth in saying like you can't care for others if you're slacking or like you're having a horrible time. It's really hard to pour into others. But also there is the flip side of that of you can humble yourself and care for others despite having a hard day or despite whatever is going on in your life. And honestly, that might be what helps you because the act of compassion is truly humbling yourself to look to someone else and say, what's what might be impacting them or what might be on their heart? Why are they hurt today? Are they sad today? And how can I help them? Even though my own heart is hurting. And maybe no one knows that, but you learning how to love another despite your own feelings truly is rewarding and healing to yourself. And this shows that as you care for another, it it helps gain a perspective for your own problems of saying, well, this problem feels so overwhelmingly huge in my heart or in my life in retrospect, it's not as big of a deal as it may have felt. So now to conclude, in the final verses, it says that the children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband praises her. And he says, verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And then the proverb concludes saying, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So exactly what this verse is saying is you will reap what you sow and you will earn your reward for loving others, for having a heart of kindness and giving wisdom and having that selflessness and that humility and that service towards others because she's doing it for the glory of God alone. And it goes to another biblical theme of the outward appearance versus the inward appearance and that the Lord looks at the heart. And our culture does not. Our culture looks at the outward appearance. I think we can say that pretty certainly given all of all of our social media, all of our magazines and the pictures and the television we consume, all of it is so heavily emphasizing the physical appearance. And it's detrimental to our young children who are being raised up, told to look a specific way instead of told to model their heart after the woman of Proverbs 31 and men to model their heart after biblical men. So just in summary, Proverbs 31 is the biblical praise of a woman and 
this is not the only place in the Bible that it praises women and it praises her beauty and her qualities that are inward that the Lord sees as good and true and beautiful. And these qualities are unique to women. And it's the beauty of differences between male and female. And she can love in a unique way as a woman and he can love in a unique way as a man. But the culture has robbed women of the glory of this role, of the true beauty of this role, because our culture has said that this is demeaning, that it's false, uh, that selfless service is actually cruel enslavement, and it should be rejected. And you should put yourself first, prioritize yourself, and beat out all of the men so that you can have a successful life. They encourage women to throw off these bounds in their role and attack men in order to succeed and rule the world essentially. So I just want to again say that that is not the truth of the Bible. That is not what this passage is saying or any other passage. It is doing the opposite in praising women in who they are, in their qualities, and that the most happiness can be found for any woman in accepting who she is as a woman and accepting her qualities, her unique qualities that make her different from men and make her different from every single woman because every single person, every individual is different and can offer something different in, a, in the community, in the world, and ultimately for the glory of God. So we must ground ourselves in the truths of scripture and really praise his name for the beautiful design that he made, not reject it, but rejoice and say, your kingdom come, O Lord, and we are working each and every day for you and for you alone. Thanks for listening to Strength and Dignity. I'm Michaela Estruth, and you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.